we're on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Jim. And yes, it's on. Yep. <clears throat> Thank you so much for having us. It's a great privilege and honor to be back. Um, I echo with Pastor Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your prayers and support over the years. It is because of your prayers and uh, your support that uh, God has enabled us to do what he has called us to do. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our heart. Um, my wife, stand up, show your beautiful face. There you go. I usually forget to introduce her. <clears throat> now, uh, I see many new faces here, so most of you may not know our story, but let me give you a little bit of background. Um, both my wife and I, were originally from Pakistan, and uh, I got saved from a Muslim background in Pakistan, and uh, a couple of years later, we got married, and uh, my wife was concerned about my safety, because if you leave Islam, it is punishable by death, according to the strict Sharia law. <clears throat> they can kill you, and it'll be considered a good deed. So my wife was a little bit concerned about my safety, so we just decided to leave the country. And not knowing where we would go, um, but the Lord knew, so he brought us to this part of the world. And um, <clears throat> initially, we got sucked into the fast Western lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like we started working, 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 making money. And uh, so that's what we did. I, I sold ball bearings for 12 years in the Chicagoland area. So I, I know a whole lot about ball bearings. <laughs> and uh, my wife also had a nice job. But then we found our home church in Naperville, Illinois. It's a great uh, missions-giving church. And um, we had never been to a Pentecostal church before in our whole life. We attended a Methodist church where we didn't quite learn anything. Um, I'm not saying all Methodist churches are like that, okay? But this particular one that uh, we attended, we didn't quite learn anything. Uh, <clears throat> but the very first service we attended at our home church in Naperville, our eyes were open. It was like, wow, man, it's a huge church, about 8,000 people, and it's a great missions-giving church. I think they give about a million dollar to mission every year, <clears throat> And um, so our eyes were opened, and the pastor gave an altar call to asking to rededicate our lives to the Lord. So I remember grabbing my wife's hand, walking down the aisle, and just rededicating our lives to the Lord in that church. And it was in that church that the Lord called us to missions. Uh, we got to meet missionaries in that church. We got to attend mission conventions in that church. We got to host missionaries at our house. Uh, a missionary couple that we hosted at our house was uh, Dave and Julie Leatherberry. They're missionaries to Afghanistan all their lives. They just love Afghan people. In fact, he wrote a book. And, <clears throat> excuse me, in his book he mentions that when he dies, his body be buried in Afghanistan. That's how much they love Afghan people. And so we, we had the opportunity to host them at our house. And... And wow, we heard their stories. We, we saw the passion that they had. 
And, and, and we, we thought, you know, if they can leave everything, if, if they can leave the comforts of America and go all the way to Afghanistan to minister to the Muslims, why couldn't we do it for our own people? And so we started praying about it, <clears throat> and it was in, uh, during the mission convention, it was in our adult Sunday school where Dave was speaking. And after he had finished speaking, our Sunday school teacher asked me to stand next to Dave as a symbol of the Muslim world because of my background, so that people could lay their hands and pray for us. So as I stood next to Dave, and as uh, people laid their hands and started to pray for us, it was so powerful. I cannot explain it to you. I began to weep, and, and, and by the time they were done, I just knew. I just knew that God was calling us to missions. So that was the beginning of our missionary journey. We, we quit our jobs, and... Uh, we went to missions back to our home country, Pakistan, where we ran away from. But um, when we found our home church, we were baptized into the Holy Spirit. And uh, we received the boldness to go back to our home country where we ran away from. The only problem was we didn't know anything about missions. We knew, I knew a whole lot about ball bearings, but nothing about missions. But, you know, the Lord, uh, <clears throat> when the Lord calls you, he also equips you and he provides for you. And, and, and so we went back to Pakistan, uh, worked with Teen Challenge for two years. Teen Challenge, um, uh, I'm sure you're all aware of it. It's a drug rehab program. And uh, it was during that time my wife and I, we were seriously injured in a grenade attack at our church. A suicide bomber came inside the church loaded with grenades. And he, he shouted, Allahu Akbar, die you infidels. And then he started hurling grenades at the congregation, all over the congregation. One grenade exploded just 39 inches from us. Killing five people, injuring about 50. Both my wife and I, we were seriously injured. Um, my wife had multiple tibia fracture on her left leg. She was in full cast for three months. Um, I had deep shrapnel wounds on my left leg. I had severe nerve damage, and I couldn't walk for a month. So we both went through some real difficult time. But praise the Lord. He not only spared our lives, he healed us physically, and he also healed us emotionally. And, and so we praise the Lord for that. It took us a couple of years to recuperate, but we were able to go back to Pakistan for our second term. Um, so now we're in England. We thought, um, you know, we're done with Pakistanis. No more Pakistanis. Go to England. But guess what? As soon as we landed in England, there are a whole bunch of Pakistanis in England. They're everywhere. <laughs> we're like, Wow. They are, um, <clears throat> they're, they're growing over there. There are 2 million Muslims in England, and out of 2 million, 1.1 million are from Pakistan. So 50% of Muslims 
in England are from Pakistan. So we just finished our first term in England, our first three-year term, and uh, we work with Muslims. Um, I taught English as second language uh, as a means to reach them uh, through friendship evangelism. And I was also involved in um, street evangelism, uh, where we would go out and um, go out in a Muslim-dominated area and just engage with the Muslims at street level. So... um, Great things have happened through <clears throat> those ministries. I'm, I'll share a little bit more about them in, in the banquet tonight. But please pray for us. We're going back for our second term, um, and uh, we already raised 90% of our budget. We're needing to raise another 10%, and uh, we are planning to leave by the end of May. So please pray that we'll be able to raise all of our support before we leave. Also pray for... Um, our visas, they have made it very hard to get visas these days. So far, I've, <clears throat> so far we've paid almost $4,000 just for our visas. <clears throat> and uh, it requires uh, a local church to sponsor you. And so we, we have already connected with a church in Oxford, England, where we'll be going this time. It's a new city for us. And we connected with an Assemblies of God church in Oxford. So I'll be part of the... Uh, pastoral team, and, and then I'll branch out to minister to the Muslims in Oxford. Oxford is a beautiful city. Um, many of you know it's got the um, Oxford University. That's the oldest university in the English-speaking world. And so there are about 165,000 people living in Oxford, and 15% of them are Muslims. And so they have several mosques out there. They just built a brand new mosque with the purpose of evangelizing England. So um, we, we, we will be networking with other organizations that are already involved uh, in ministry to the Muslims. And, and we'll just uh, network with them and re- reach the Muslims with the love of Christ. So please pray for us. Also pray for our house. We need a house to rent over there. The Oxford is very expensive. Even the whole England is very expensive. And um, with the budget that we have, it's practically impossible to get a house there. So please pray that we'll be able to get a nice house. Nothing is impossible for God, right? So please pray that uh, we will get a nice house. And um, we have some prayer cards at the back. We have a table at the back with some prayer cards, some information about us. So please take one. Stick it on your refrigerator or inside your Bible, whichever you open the most. <clears throat> Thank you. But do remember to pray for us. Right. Uh, what I'll do today is I'll share with you <clears throat> how I came to know the Lord from a Muslim background. Is that okay? And uh, I'll touch a few points. And hopefully some of the things I say will help you to reach out to a Muslim. Um, Someone just told me there's a, uh, I think there's a mosque there somewhere, or, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if you know any Muslims. Uh, they, they are growing in America as well. There are about 1.5 million Muslims in America, and they say they're going to double in just a couple of decades. If you go to Chicago, Devon Avenue, you'll, you'll see, you'll, you, it doesn't feel like you're in America when you go there. It's like you're in India or Pakistan, you know. So they're growing here. So hopefully some of the things I say will help you to reach out to a Muslim. And then I'll share a little bit about the church attack in Pakistan, and, and I'll 
I'll, um, then I'll be done after that. I'll turn it back to you. I do have a verse for you this morning. It's uh, from Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Matthew, chapter 5, 43 through 48. This is the famous Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is speaking here. And he says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Father God, thank you for this moment that you've ordained for each and every one of us here, Lord God. Father, I just pray that you'll open our ears, that you we will hear your voice, open our minds that we will understand you, Lord God. And Father God, I pray that you'll open our hearts that we will respond to you, Lord. And uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Amen. You know, I came to know the Lord not because I lost a debate or an argument or anything like that. I came to know the Lord simply because someone shared the love with me. That's all it took. You could argue with me till you were blue, but you could not convert me. But a simple gesture of love changed my life forever. I I grew up in a typical Muslim family where from our childhood we were trained in our religion. We were trained to pray five times a day. We were trained to read our um, scripture, which is the Quran, in Arabic. So we were trained to read Arabic. And uh, we were trained to fast during the month of Ramadan. Muslims, they fast during the month of Ramadan. Um, They don't eat or drink anything from sunrise to sunset. But you could eat during the night, and uh, it is estimated that more food is consumed during the month of Ramadan than any other month of the year. (laughs) I love Ramadan. So I prayed and I fasted. I remember I used to cry out God's name every day, five times a day. But this God that I was crying out every day, I did not know this God. Because in Islam, you cannot know God. It is impossible to know God. And to have a personal, intimate relationship with God is totally unheard of. God God is holy. You you just leave him alone and and you just concentrate um, on on your uh, good deeds. So if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, they believe that they have a chance But there is no assurance of salvation in Islam. It's an important point to remember talking to a Muslim. They don't have the assurance of salvation in Islam. It doesn't matter how good of a Muslim he or she may be. They cannot say it for certain that if they die, they'll go to heaven. Unlike us, those of us who have trusted our lives to Jesus, we know for certain that if we died, we'll be in heaven. Amen? 
not because of what we have done or not because of what we can do, but because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen? But Muslims, since they don't have a relationship with God, they don't have that assurance. They will talk to you about their good morals and all these things, but what good are they if, if, if it doesn't give you the salvation? So there is no assurance of salvation in Islam and, and because you know, they, they cannot know God. They cannot have a relationship with God. And so what happens when we don't have a relationship with God? There's something missing in us, isn't it? <clears throat> There's a void in us. It doesn't matter how many times we come to the church. It doesn't matter how many times we read our Bibles. It, it doesn't matter how much money we give. It doesn't matter what we do. If we don't have a personal, intimate relationship with our Father in heaven, there'll be something missing in us. There'll be void in us. And, and that's exactly what happened to me. I was going through my religious duties. I was going through all these motions. I was religious, but I was void and empty inside. And, and, and so uh, as I grew up, I went into drugs. I thought somehow drugs could fill that emptiness in me. By the way, that has nothing to do with Islam. It, it was an diff- entirely different phase of my life. And before I knew it, I was heavily addicted into drugs, all kinds of drugs. My whole life was a total mess. Um, I ended up in jail. And it was there in the jail for the first time in my life, I realized what kind of mess I was into. It was like a wake-up call. I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about the jails over here, okay, where you get to watch television, you get to work out, and all kinds of stuff, right? No, I'm talking about jail in Pakistan. You don't even want to go near that place, okay? It's so bad. But it was there in the jail at the lowest point of my life, I realized my need for a savior. And that is unique for a Muslim because Muslims believe they don't have to be saved, They believe that Adam committed a very small mistake, God forgave him, and then life went on as usual. So when we are born, we're born sinless. See, that's exactly opposite of truth, isn't it? Adam disobeyed God. He listened to Satan instead of God. That was a huge thing. And because of that, we were separated from God. And we need to be saved by repenting of our sins and accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. There's no other way. That's the only way. So I felt my need for a Savior, but I did not know who this person would be. There was no one to tell me. Anyway, as I got out of jail, I um, got myself a job and I was assigned a desk next to this beautiful young lady, happens to be my wife today. Praise the Lord. Now, I didn't know she was a Christian, okay? Um, Her name is Nassim. It's an Arabic name, and it's usually a Muslim name. But had I known she was a Christian, perhaps I would have found some excuse to sit elsewhere. Do you know why? Because as a Muslim, I hated Christians. 
I did not like Christians. To be a Christian in Pakistan is the worst thing that can happen to you. Nobody wants to associate with you. You're like the bad guys. You're like a sinner. You know, you, you worship three gods and, and you worship a prophet as God. And, and, and you get drunk. In fact, if you're a Christian in Pakistan, you get the official permit to purchase alcohol. How about that? And when they make a movie, when they want to portray a Christian character, the guy usually has a large wooden cross hanging on his neck and there's a whiskey bottle in his hand. So that's how you know he's a Christian. So that's the concept there of Christians. But as I look back now, I see God's plan of salvation for my life. I believe that God chose my wife and her family to shower his love upon me. Whatever I was told from my childhood how bad these Christians are, when the Lord brought me to this family, I found them to be totally opposite. I found them to be godly. They were walking with God. My father-in-law was a great man of God. And so I got curious, and I wanted to know a little bit more about Christianity. So I got hold of a Bible, and I began to read the Bible. Now, as a Muslim, I believed in the Bible. Muslims are supposed to believe in all the previous scripture. But they are led to believe that the Jews and the Christians have corrupted the Bible. They have changed the Bible. So what we have right now is not the real thing. And so if you give a Bible to a Muslim, maybe to oblige you, he or she may take it from you, but chances are they're not going to read it. But I wanted to read it this time, and I believe it was at that point when I began to read the Word of God sincerely, something began to happen in me. I cannot explain it to you. I had, I had never read anything like that before in my whole life. I had read Quran, even memorized portions of it, but that didn't do nothing to me. But this Bible that I was reading was really touching me. Now, as a Muslim, I knew Jesus as a prophet. Okay, Muslims believe in Jesus as a prophet, great prophet. In fact, there are chapters in the Quran that talks about Jesus, his virgin birth, the miracles he performed, how he raised the dead. But... I, so I knew him as a prophet. But as I read the Gospel of John, I began to know him as more than a prophet. I began to know him as son of God. The Gospel of John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I read the stories about Jesus, the things he said, the things he did, his, his love and his compassion for people. Everything that I read about him began to touch me in a deeper way. And I finally became convinced that, yes, this is the word of God. This has to be the word of God because it was changing me from inside out. And so I met a pastor who mentored me for some time. Then uh, he invited me over to his church, and he, he said, you know, you can bring your guitar in the church. And I was like, wow, cool, I can bring my guitar in the church? That's cool. I couldn't bring the guitar in the mosque. They'll probably shoot me for that. 
So I began to go to the church and started playing, playing the guitar with the worship team. By the way, pastor, there was no church split. Muslim playing the guitar. I'm leaving the church. <laughs> Everybody was so loving. The, I probably drove the pastor crazy by asking him so many questions, but he was graceful. And then another pastor took me to a crusade that was going on in the capital city of Pakistan, Islamabad. Islamabad is a relatively modern city, but within the city there are slums, mud houses, where all, all the poor Christian people live, in a very poor condition. And, and, and that's where the crusade was going on. And it was such a humbling experience for me that God decided to save me among the very people that I did not like. He changed my hatred into love. I went to the crusade. There was a powerful message and there was an altar call and I just stood up. I went forward and I just surrendered my life to Christ and praise the Lord since that day all my drug addiction started to go and I was a completely changed person. And I praise the Lord for that. But you know what? It all happened because one Christian family, they were walking with God. One Christian family, they were walking with God. I knew some other Christians that were getting drunk, but this family, they were walking with God. They shared their love with me. I was welcome in their house. As a Muslim, I was welcome in their house. And they didn't argue with me about any theological issues or anything like that. They simply shared their love with me. And their love changed my life forever. And there'll be many Muslim converts will tell you the same thing, that they came to know the Lord not because they lost an argument, but because someone shared their love with them. It's amazing. I was at a conference in London where they had invited all the Muslim converts. And it was amazing that every one of them said the same thing, that they came to know the Lord because someone shared their love with them. A neighbor, a co-worker, and their love changed their lives forever. Sure, they have dreams. Sure, they have visions. And Muslims are having dreams and visions a lot these days. And numbers of them are coming to the Lord. But in all those instances, they're led to a believer for them to explain about the dream that they had. And it is at that point we can choose to condemn them or we can choose to love them. I believe it's our love that's going to change their lives. What does the Bible say how we are known? By our theology? What does it say? We're known as Christians by our love. That's what the Bible says. 
What's the greatest commandment, two greatest commandments that Jesus talked about? Love the Lord, right? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And what's the second? Love your neighbors as yourself. The greatest commandments out of all the commandments. All other commandments hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. So there was this expert in the law. He wanted to justify himself because according to the Hebrew tradition, a neighbor was a fellow Hebrew brother. No one else. Just a fellow Hebrew brother. So he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, so who is my neighbor? And Jesus gave a shocking revelation through the parable of the Good Samaritans. You all are familiar with that. A great parable on, uh, on acts of um, kindness. But something interesting happens in this parable. Jesus picks, out of all the people, Jesus picks a Samaritan to be the good neighbor. Do you know why he picked a Samaritan? Because they were the most hated people. They were the most despised people. Jews hated them from the core of their heart. In fact, when the Jews will travel, um, they will bypass the entire Samaria. They wouldn't go through the Samaria, Samaria. That's how much they hated them. And Jesus knew that the expert in the law who asked him that question was a Jew. And so Jesus picked a Samaritan to be the good neighbor. So in essence, Jesus was telling him that it's your worst enemy who could be your neighbor. Love your enemy as yourself. Wow, that's a tough one, isn't it? That is a tough one, to love our enemies. But that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to love our enemies. You heard the word that I read. Jesus is saying, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because it's the love that's going to change their lives. God so loved the world. God desires that none should perish, right? He didn't choose a certain group of people, did he? Jesus died for the whole world. And it's because of God's love that we are saved. And God expects us to do the same. God expects us to be a channel of his love into the world. So when you, when you make a faith promise today, this is your love, expression of your love. Because you want to love the same way that God loves the world. And this is your expression of love for the world.
What would you do if your house is on fire and your family member is in there, that your family member that you love? What would you do? You'd scream and shout and do everything in your power to get them out. Well, that's how much God loved us. He died for us while we were yet sinners. And he wants us to be a channel of his love into the world. Amen. I'm out of time. Probably I'll share my story um, at the banquet later on about the church story. I I wanted to share it today. But uh, we have a video of the church attack that happened in Pakistan. And uh, it was one of the first, very first event that happened. So it caught a lot of attention So we were on national television, and the reporters found out about us. There was a beeline outside our home church in Naperville, and the pastors didn't know what to tell them, so they had an emergency meeting, and they decided not to say anything. And so as the pastors were coming out of the church, there were cameramen following our pastors. So who are the Ali's? What were they doing in Pakistan and all that? So it it caught a lot of attention. So our home church helped us make this video. It's a three-minute DVD. And I will leave you with that. And then, Pastor, if you want to come and close the service, thank you so much. God bless you. September 11th changed everything around. We were there in Pakistan on September 11th, and we could not believe our eyes what we were seeing. We thought it was a, it was a scene from a movie. But that was a reality. We were evacuated out of Pakistan, and then we returned back to Pakistan in December. We were the only Assemblies of God missionaries in Islamabad. And so, two months after that, our church was attacked. And it was in response to the uh, American attack in Afghanistan. And uh, we knew that things are not the same anymore. Turn our attention now to that church attack in Pakistan. Two Americans are among the dead. An American mother and a daughter were killed in a church attack. This morning, two men, according to authorities, entered that church while services were being conducted and lobbed grenades inside that church, two of which detonated inside the church, injuring some 44 people and killing five of those five are among those who have been killed. We saw inside the church broken glass, shattered glass all over, blood on the floors, on the curtains, while they were worshiping in a house of God. It was the sermon time and we were just listening to the, uh, the pastor. All of a sudden I saw there's something crawling on my left side. As I was just staring at, at the thing, because I didn't know that was grenade, I've never ever seen that grenade in my whole life. There was a first very loud explosion. I just closed my eyes and then the second one and the third one was really, really loud. And I thought, that's it, we're gone and very soon I'm going to see Jesus.
So when I opened my eyes, I didn't see Jesus, and I'm thinking that means I'm still alive. God just marvelously saved our lives, and it's absolutely a miracle of God that we're alive. I remember pretty much everything.、Um, it was a horrible, horrible scene. There was blood everywhere. I remember lying in my、um, in the hospital bed in the emergency room. I remember、um, nurses working on me. I had so much pain in my body, and、uh, but、um, thank God that I we both didn't have any bitterness for for the attackers. Uh, we know that Jesus died for them too, and we're just thankful that we're alive and、uh, we're able to go back to do His work. We are very.